is a Woodside Church podcast. Good morning. Thank you, Debbie. I wasn't quite expecting all of that, but uh, that's lovely. Thank you very much. Um, well, we, we are um, starting a new series today. It's my privilege uh, having the responsibility of launching it here. It's going to be seven weeks, and it's going to be teaching through one chapter in the Bible. Now, if I was pressed, I mean, I love this book, but if I was pressed and said, you are only allowed one chapter in this book, this chapter will be up there with one of the ones I'd think, I might well take this one with me on my desert island or wherever I happen to be, you know. It's that sort of question. Uh, It's Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to start with a very brief, just little introduction, which I've been asked to do. And then we're going to look at the first four verses. And we're then going to take communion together. And the band are going to come back and we're just going to bring our praise, but also... um, Uh, And I was particularly, I mean, great contributions that we've had this morning. And I know there were more. uh, And I wish I had longer too. And I'm looking at the clock. I'm going to, Richard, at the back there, I'm going to concertina down a little bit. uh, Because we want to really take some time before God together with communion. And it'll be time to tip the rocks out and let them fall at the foot of the cross. So... Romans 8 starts, where we're going to be today, with no condemnation. It ends with no separation. And just those two phrases alone cause us to understand that this chapter helps us to be absolutely assured of our salvation. It's a foundation building chapter that helps us strongly build maturity in Christ. It's full of teaching on the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. In fact, uh, it's one of the chapters with more references to the Holy Spirit, if you count them, than any other. It also is about who we are in relation to God. It talks about us being adopted by God, us being the children of God, and us responding by the Spirit to him saying, Abba, Father, the most intimate terms by which we can address our Father God. It's a chapter that gives us eternal hope. It's a chapter that helps us, and there'll be a whole uh, uh, teaching on this, uh, the Holy Spirit helping us when we pray, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then as uh, Colin brought in his contribution uh, just a little while ago, we'll have a whole morning on uh, the section around uh, verse 28, which says, we know that all in all things God works for the good to those that love him and who've been called according to his purpose. And then finally, nothing can separate us from the love of God. It is a fantastic chapter full of riches uh, from the book of Romans. My um, suggestion, I mean, I, 
I've just done this, so I'm just saying it, it did me a lot of good. Why not read through the whole of Romans, chapter 1 through to 16, over the next few weeks, maybe early on. Uh, then chapter 8, or maybe read chapter 8, then the whole thing, and then go back to chapter 8 again, because you see it all in context. And it's just wonderful seeing uh, through the pages of Scripture how Paul, inspired by the Spirit, teaches us and helps us. It's as relevant today as when the Romans first received this letter and read it for themselves. It's wonderful. Chapter 6, for example, just full. I mean, if you want a real pricey on the grace of God, just go to Romans 6 and it'll do you good. It did me good as I read it uh, again quite recently. But today, the whole title of this series is, is In Christ Alone. And really that encapsulates, if you like, the teaching itself. And today we're looking at no condemnation. So without further ado, let's read the uh, first four verses of chapter 8. I'm going to read in the ESV, um, English Standard Version, and uh, uh, here it goes. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. I just wonder if we can pray just once again. Father God, we just pray by your Spirit that you would cut through any veil in our mind or our eyes and bring us fresh revelation in our hearts, in our inner being of the truth of these words in such a way that each one of us find some transformation taking place. We pray that you would be at work by your Spirit through the very words of Scripture. In Jesus' name, Amen. So the first thing I just want to bring to us, and this is the main thing, and then there will be two just smaller additional points at the end. But this is the main thing. And that is that verse 1 of chapter 8 says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus now. And it's the word now. I just want to say, it's not when everything gets sorted out. It's not, well, when I mature more as a Christian. Or it's not when I die and go to be with the Lord, there'll be no more condemnation. But it says categorically, in conclusion to all of the chapters before, when Paul is building up to this, there is now 
no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when he uses the word therefore in some versions like the NLT, so, uh, he's saying in the light of what Christ has done for you, and we're going to be sharing communion and celebrating all of that shortly, because of what Jesus did for you through his death on the cross, there is now no more condemnation. It's actually not to do with your circumstances or what you have done. There is now no more condemnation because of Christ, of what Christ has done for you. And therefore, we, uh, let me just use this illustration. And it's an illustration from the Bible itself. And it's the story of when some scribes and Pharisees trying to catch Jesus out so that they could accuse him of some things which would have been false. They brought to him, when he was teaching in the temple courts, a crowd of people, they brought to him a lady who had been caught in the act of adultery. Now, how many of us remember that story? Hello? We got, right? So most of us do. So I'm not going to read it. But we're just going to remember this story. So this lady is brought to Jesus. And the scribes and Pharisees, these teachers of the law and the Pharisees, say to Jesus, they interrupt him in some way, and they say to Jesus, they say, now this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says that she should be stoned to death. What do you say? Jesus didn't say a word. He crouched down on the ground and started writing, we don't know what he wrote, in the dust of the ground. And then he stood up again, and he said to the accusers, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, starting with the oldest and going down to the youngest, and it doesn't say how many of them there were, they left the scene. Until the only person left with Jesus, apart from the crowd, was was the woman. And Jesus looked at the woman, and he said to her, Woman, who is there to accuse you? And she said, well, no one, my Lord. And then he looked at her straight in the face and said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, at the very moment he said that, he knew that in the days, weeks, or months, and we don't know the exact timing, that he would be stoned in her place. Not actually stoned, but put to death through his death on the cross. You see, he was the only one because he had never sinned and he had kept God's requirements, his laws, completely and perfectly. He was the only one who was qualified to stone her, and yet he didn't. Why didn't he do that? He didn't do it because he knew 
he would pay the penalty for her sin in his body when he suffered and died on the cross. And you and I are like that woman. Because earlier on in Romans, and Richard, I am leaving my notes here, but I'm going through some of those scriptures. We read that all, Romans 3, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in that boat. Now you might think, well, hang on a minute, I haven't, I haven't sort of you know, done what the woman did, I mean, you know, and so on. But do you know what the law requires? When Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments in the law? He said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then he said, the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. Fulfill that and you fulfilled the whole law. Well, just looking at those two, I don't know about you, but I come far short. Far short. And I need, like the woman, the forgiveness of Christ. And when Jesus said, Woman, who is there to condemn you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. There was a transformational thing that happened for the woman that was to take full effect when he died for her on the cross, just like he died for you and me. Isn't that wonderful? Which is why Paul then goes on in Romans 6 to say, the wages of sin is death. That is the consequence for all our falling short of the glory of God. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. In Romans 5, it talks about, uh, Paul talks about how Adam uh, brought condemnation through his sin into the world. But now, Christ, and look at this, I'll just read this. In, uh, uh, it's on the screen, I hope, uh, Romans 5. Uh, Adam's one sin brought condemnation for everyone. This is the last verse on the screen. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, this, this, this is what he has done for us. And Jesus is not repelled. He wasn't repelled by this woman's sin. I mean, she wasn't an inconvenience. He didn't say, take her away, that wicked woman. I mean, you might imagine that. Sometimes we feel, don't we? But I love that. I mean, when Stephen sung that, uh, led us in that song, which I'm not sure if I've ever sung, you know, he, about God kicking the walls down in order to get to us with his love. That's what he did on the cross. Again in Romans, it was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. Isn't that fantastic? I mean, Romans is a great book. I keep quoting bits from Romans just to help us understand this first verse. And these four verses here, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So we have been set free. The next verse goes on. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now when it says law in this verse, by the way, it's not talking about 
um, law in the same way as the law of Moses. It's talking about principle. It's talking about... So when it talks about the law of sin and death, uh, sin leads to death. That's how it works. It's a bit like gravity means that we keep on the ground. Uh, And uh, sin uh, takes us further away from God. It separates us from God. And the consequences of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That is, you know, the law of sin and death in a nutshell. The law of the Spirit sets us free. What does the Spirit do? He brings us to Christ. We give our lives to Christ. We let the rocks down at the cross, as it were. He comes and fills us and empowers us to live differently. And next week, when we look at being spiritually alive, there'll be a great deal more on that. And so the wonderful thing uh, for us as we stand before Christ is that we understand that God has done what we could not do. And so the, uh, the verse um, 3 goes on, For God has done what the law, that's the law of Moses, weakened by the flesh, because it was impossible to keep the law because of our sinful nature. He has done what we could not do and what the law couldn't do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus didn't sin ever, but he came in the same type of body as you and I. Fully God, but also fully man. And he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Isn't that wonderful? That he condemns sin. You see, we still feel, and this is why we need to hear this so much I mean, on an ongoing basis, about no condemnation. Because we feel bad when we sin. And sometimes it hangs on us for so long, even after we've been to Jesus and said we're sorry. And the wonderful thing is this, that sin, our sin, has been condemned. Have a look at that verse 4. It has been condemned. First three, that it condemned. It's been condemned in the very flesh of Jesus when he died on the cross. Isn't that amazing? All of my wrongdoing has been condemned, but it's now been condemned in the body of Christ when he died on the cross. I mean... I've just spent a little while thinking about that. And every time I think about it more, I think, this is amazing. Sin, my sin, our sin, your sin has been condemned. But you've not been condemned with it. Because Jesus took your place. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. That is why we can rejoice and be glad. And hear the Savior. Because that is who he is. Say to us, like he said to the woman, who is there to condemn you? And then he says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Because we can look around and say, no one, my Lord. Now we need to hear this because there are three sources of accusation, of condemnation that are very common 
to us as Christians. Here they are in a nutshell, very briefly. One, we have an accuser. The enemy himself. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. And through his lies, and we've had that this morning in the worship as well, in contribution, uh, he will seek to say, you're rubbish. You are no good to God or to anyone else. Look what you have done. He will accuse you. But also, others condemn us. And it could even go back to when you were a young girl or a young boy or a teenager or whatever you happen to be, and words still hang on you today that were spoken in a condemnatory fashion. Somebody somewhere picked holes in you and you still feel bad. We need, by the way, to be very careful that we're not the hole pickers in the way that we talk to and about others. And then thirdly, we can condemn ourselves. And that's often the worst. And do you know what Jesus does when he dies on the cross? That feeling of guilt, that feeling, oh, I'm terrible. Oh, I've done it again. Oh, I've, look, look at me. I'm worthless. I'm useless. Do you know what God does? He says, I've taken all that. And now your sin has been condemned in the body of my son when he died on the cross for you. So who is there to condemn you anymore? Satan? No, he's been defeated. Others? No, they've melted away. Yourself? You don't need to because your sin has been condemned by Christ. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, this is the truth. Now, there's so much more, but I'm going to leave it there because next week we're going to see how the Holy Spirit enables us and empowers us to live the life that we have actually been called to live, which goes, you read the Beatitudes, it goes way beyond the law. A life that truly pleases God. Dead to sin and alive to Christ. We're going to see a whole load more about being alive to Christ. But hopefully that's given a little taster and a start, but also will help us as we now come to take the bread and wine together. Shall we stand? And I'm going to ask the band to come and join us as well. Now there's one song that this week, as I've been just doing sort of preparation for this, that has just really resounded in my heart and my ears and it's man of sorrows we're going to sing that in uh, in uh, just a moment but just listen to the bridge for a minute because this encapsulates where we are as we take communion together it encapsulates where we are when it comes to now there is no condemnation uh, condemnation for those who are in christ This is for those who now have given their lives to Jesus. And this is our song. This is the bridge of the song we're going to sing in just a moment. Now my debt is paid. It is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me, whom the Son sets free 
will be free indeed. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, thank you, Lord, that you have paid the price and that our sin has been condemned, but has been condemned, Jesus, in your body when you died on the cross. So that we may die to sin and live to righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that like the woman, you look at us and you say to us, now, who is there to condemn you? And we look around and say, no one, Lord. And then hear your voice say, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. There's a true transformation that you bring about through our repentance and faith and trust in you, leaving those rocks at the foot of the cross. Let's sing together, shall we? Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.